0: Hi there. Our first reading is from Isaiah chapter 65, verses 17 to 25. For I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The past events will not be remembered or come to mind. Then be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I will create Jerusalem to be a joy and its people to be a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people The sound of weeping and crying will no longer be heard in her. In her, a nursing infant will no longer live, only a few days, or an old man not live out his days. Indeed, the youth will die at a hundred years, and the one who misses a hundred years will be cursed. People will build houses and live in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They will not build and others live in them. They will not plant and others eat. For my people's lives will be like the lifetime of a tree. My chosen ones will fully enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor without success or bear children destined for disaster. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, along with their descendants. Even before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. But the serpents' food will be dust. They will not do what is evil or destroy on my entire holy mountain, says the Lord.
1: Hello. The second reading is from uh, the book of Revelation, Uh, chapter 19. uh, Sorry, the first one is uh, chapter 19, verse 6 to 16. That's found on page 1139 of the church Bibles. Then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude Like the sound of cascading waters, and like the rumbling of loud thunder saying, Hallelujah, because our Lord God, the Almighty, has begun to reign. Let us be glad, rejoice, and give him glory, because the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has prepared herself. She was given fine linen to wear, bright and pure, for the fine linen represents the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, those invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb are fortunate. He also said to me, these words of God are true. Then I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow slave with you and your brothers who have the testimony about Jesus. Worship God because the testimony about Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and he judges and makes war in righteousness. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe stained with blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses were in pure white linen. A sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will shepherd them with an iron scepter. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The second reading is from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 6. It's on the next page, 1140. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea no longer existed. I also saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and He will live with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will no longer exist. Grief, crying, and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Right, because these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give water as a gift to the thirsty from the spring of life. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Thanks, Holly and Renee. It would be great if you can keep that passage open. We'll come to it a little bit later. Uh, not straight away. The question uh, that's been put before us this evening is, uh, you know, if, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? Well, God, what happens after I die? It's a great question, isn't it? We're all going to die. Who knows what's going to happen? Death kind of is, is before us like a dark doorway, which we all have to pass through one day. We have no idea where it leads to. I'm quite a concrete thinker, Um, I like to know what something's going to be like before I I experience it. I like those menus with the little pictures of the meals. You know the ones? I I like the look of that. Uh, But death doesn't give us that. That's why we fear it. We fear the unknown. There's plenty of guesses. What's going to happen after I die? You're just going to rot. You just live, you die, you rot. You're going to be recycled. You'll be reincarnated. You'll be remembered by those who love you you'll rise in some mystical way and be greeted by angels on a cloud or something like that. But they're just guesses. Because those who go through this dark doorway don't come back and tell us what it's like. Which is exactly why Christians pin all their hopes on the Lord Jesus. Because he did come back. He died, asphyxiated on a cross, And then he rose again. That's why we look to him for our answers when it comes to death. Our our whole world carries on and then dies. It ends in death. But Jesus came through death. And so if we're going to have any hope, any answers about this question of death, it's going to be in him, in our Lord Jesus. He provides us with a different answer, doesn't he? Not just rot, recycle, remembered, rise mystically by resurrection, historical resurrection, renewal. So tonight, that's what we're going to be talking about, Jesus' resurrection. The first thing we're going to do is talk about what that means, uh, what it means for us. And then after that, um, I'll talk about three points of what to expect after we die. But first of all, to this, Jesus' resurrection Many people think of the Bible as kind of like um, a handbook to figure out how to get to heaven after you die. It's kind of an instruction manual as to how to get a ticket for heaven. The Bible's actually more like a story of God's victory over death. We've just uh, celebrated Anzac Day yesterday. Uh, The Anzac soldiers fought because they saw in this world big problems. The world was not in a good place. And so they fought to create a better world. That's the story of the Bible. God sees this world in a terrible state, dying. And so his son, Jesus, goes into battle to create a better future, a better world. That's our story. You see, it wasn't meant to be this way, friends. Our world wasn't created with death. You remember Adam and Eve in the garden? They weren't going to die. They enjoyed life to the full. But then death entered through sin. They were in perfect union with God, but they turned. They turned from love and trust of him towards their own way. They turned from the God who was life itself towards death. And as they turned from life, as they rejected God, they were sent out of his life-giving presence. That is our world. Death entered our world through sin. It's not a natural part of our world. You know, you meet people who, who say it's quite a natural thing. Oh, you live, you die, it's all part of the circle of life. Embrace the mystery of death. you heard that kind of thing? I'm not going to embrace death. If he comes near me, I'm going to poke his eyes out if I can. You know, I don't want to die. The Bible's reaction to death is not, it's not natural, it talks about death as the, the last enemy. And so the words um, from King Edward VII's funeral, I think, describe death much better. Says, death is so inexplicable, so ruthless, so blundering, the cruel ambush into which we are snared. It makes its horrible breach in our gladness with careless and inhuman disregard for us. Beyond the darkness hides its impenetrable secret, dumb as the night, that terrifying Silence. Friends, if you don't like death, the Bible agrees. (laughs) And yet that's our world. We live in a world under the shadow of death. Some of you know that all too well at the moment. You've been far too close to death's icy embrace. So what's God going to do about it? He's made this world of life which is turned from him towards death, what's he going to do about it? Here's an option. He could say to himself, well, you know what? Maybe I'll just let death be kind of like the natural cycle, life and then death, and then I'll catch people up and take them to this disembodied cloud place called heaven. How does that sound? That's what I used to believe. But it's not exactly what the Bible says. The Bible story is that God defeats death. A disembodied cloud place is not a victory. So what God does is this. He sends his son Jesus into our world. He dies and he rises again. His son Jesus comes into the world that we all inhabit, the world we know, the world under the shadow of death. He takes his place in it and he dies. But then he rises to new life, a new being, a new creation. Finally, a human being escapes death's icy clutches. He breaks out of the prison of death, and he's never going to be captured again. He takes on a new reality, a new creation, a new body, beyond the hold of sin and death and sickness and pain. This is God's victory over death. It's not some kind of clever part in a nice little story in a book. This happened in history. God defeated death through Jesus. Friends, that's why Revelation 19, we get this picture of Jesus as the great victor, the king, crowns on his head. Lord of lords, king of kings. This is why the apostle Paul can poke fun at death. 1 Corinthians 15 says this. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death, where's your victory? Where's your victory, eh? Death, where's your sting? Now the sin, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is no longer the end, friends it's been beaten yes we still die yes we will it's more than likely that we will die but that's not the end anymore our world is still yes under the shadow of death but a great a great hole has been burst in the clouds and the great light of hope is now shining down on us the hope of resurrection Because you see, friends, Jesus' resurrection isn't just some one-off thing over there that's never going to be repeated. In a way, it is. But you see, his victory, his resurrection is our victory. Do you remember what St. Paul said, chapter 15? He said, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus broke through the prison wall of death. And he says, follow me. If death is like a flood that's going to destroy our world, it's going to destroy your life, kind of like you know, Noah and his flood. If death is a flood, Jesus is an ark, a great boat. He says, get on board with me. Let my resurrection be your resurrection, be your hope. He says, trust in me and you'll receive my spirit. You'll be joined to me. You'll be connected to me so that my death will be like your death and my resurrection will be your resurrection, your hope, your future. The Apostle Paul in another place, actually just, just a bit earlier than where we quoted, calls Jesus' resurrection the first fruits. Jesus is the firstfruits. Do you know that idea of a harvest and the first fruits of the harvest? I remember a few years back, um, this sort of metaphor came to life for me. Um, I, I remember I was standing in my apartment in Ataman, and I had, I had a peach. And it was the first peach of summer. It was nice and big, you know, slight fur to it, good and firm. And I was very excited about it. I sort of picked it up and I was like, here we go. <laughs> and I took a bite. It's kind of the juice dribbling down the side of your cheeks. And I, was, I just thought, oh, my goodness. And and three things came into my head. The first was, this is delicious. And the second was, this is just the beginning. It's the beginning of summer. There's more to come. And the third was, that's what Paul's talking about the first fruits. Jesus has been raised, and it's fantastic, like this peach, fantastic. There's more to come. Brothers and sisters, as we trust in Jesus, we're we're connected in with the harvest. We are the harvest. He's the first fruit. We follow. Our time is coming. And again, friends, let me say this is not just some sort of vague hope. We're kind of guessing it might happen. This happened in history. The first fruits happen. They've been picked. We are the harvest to follow in history. Our great hope is that Jesus is alive today. And so again, St. Paul says this about our hope today. He's speaking to the Thessalonian church and he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep, those who have died in Christ. We don't want you to be uninformed about them so that you will not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope You're still going to grieve when someone passes away, but we don't want you to grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Why not? Because we have hope. We have hope. He goes on to say, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep through him. Friends, we believe that if we are connected to Jesus, trusting in him, then just as He rose, we will rise. I used to do this um, volunteer chaplaincy work at North Shore Hospital uh, uh, a few years ago. And um, I used to visit lots of aging patients, um, and I'd ask them this question. I'd say, what are you looking forward to? Um, I was trying to get at this idea of what's your hope? And a whole lot of them very regularly would say to me, "Um, I'm just hoping to be healthy again. I'm looking forward to being healthy again and going back to my house. I'm not a doctor, but I'd often look at them and think, you ain't getting healthy. Um, You're not going home. Um, I wouldn't say that, by the way. (laughs) But then I'd speak to other people, um, Christian people, and I'd say, what are you looking forward to? And they just often, not always, but they'd often have this settled peace. And they'd say, looking forward to being with my Lord. Not unrealistic, not desperate, not a vain, vacuous kind of hope. A certain, sure hope fixed on the fact that Jesus is risen. D.L. Moody was a famous uh, evangelist. Um, when he was getting old, he, he said this. He said, Soon you will read in the newspaper that I am dead. Don't believe it for a moment. I will be more alive than ever before. Friends, the Bible is not just a handbook about how to get a ticket to heaven after you die, it is the story of God's victory over death. The great news is you can be part of it. You can share in the victory. So, do you? I'm going to talk now about three different things we might expect after we die, things the Bible tells us about. Um, the three things I want to say are these it'll be the same, but complete. That's a short one. Then we can expect all things to be set right. And finally, it's all about God. The first thing is the same, but complete, completely. See, there's another question we could ask here, and I think we should ask it. Not only, God, what happens after I die? But, God, is there anything I can do now that might affect what happens after I die? That's a good question to ask. And the Bible says about that, to that question, it says, absolutely. There's a lot you can do now to affect what will happen after you die. In fact, I think you could almost put it like this. After you die, it'll sort of be the same, but complete. Are you with Jesus now? Are you trusting in him? Are Are you with him? Well, it'll be the same after you die, but complete, Are you without Jesus now? Well, after you die, it'll be the same, but complete. Don't think you can get to know Jesus at the door. That fact is going to be tied into the next two points as well. So the next one, all things set right. That's what we can expect. Now, friends, you might actually be saying to me, Dan, you know, you've talked about the fact that Jesus has had the victory over death, but it doesn't look like it. To be honest, what it looks like as I look around, it looks like, you know, death is kind of quite normal, and maybe Jesus scoops people up and takes them to a disembodied, cloudy place called heaven. That's what it looks like. I want to say, yeah, it does look like that, doesn't it? Everyone you know has, will die, probably. But that's not where the story ends. You see, friends, our world, our creation, is waiting to experience what Jesus experienced, more or less. Our whole creation is, is waiting to die and rise, just like Jesus did. Just like Jesus died, our world that is broken and experiences pain and death and evil, it will one day die completely. And then it will rise. A perfect, renewed world beyond the touch of sin and death and evil. The kind of world that we have described to us in Revelation 21. Would you look at that with me? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, kind of like Jesus passing away, and the sea no longer existed, no more uncertainty, no more chaos. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, uh, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them they will be his people and god himself will be with them and be their god he will wipe away every tear from their eyes death will no longer exist grief crying and pain will exist no longer because the previous things have passed away those words have brought hope to countless numbers of people over the years Do these good words i mean can you imagine It's very hard for us to imagine. God gives us pictures to help us imagine. These are pictures we're reading about here to help us imagine what it will be like. I'm so looking forward to this. Friends, as you look around our world, you read the newspapers, doesn't your heart ache for this, this reality? C.S. Lewis once said, there have been times when I think we do not desire heaven. There have been times I think we do not desire heaven. But more often, I find myself wondering whether, in our heart of hearts, we've ever desired anything else than this world renewed, this world set right. What a great hope. What happens when I die? Well, the same, but completely. Completely. Friends, if you're trusting in Jesus, then this process that the world is going to go through, death, resurrection, it's actually begun to happen for you. You've actually been included in Jesus' death and resurrection already. You're actually already, you know, you've you've died to this old way uh, that the world lives. You've died to sin and you've risen to a new kind of life. You're already, in a way, part of this new creation. So what's going to happen when you die? Well, the same, but completely completely. The job's going to be entirely finished. You're going to be made entirely like Jesus. I love this verse from 1 John. We looked at 1 John last year. This verse is the one that stuck with me. 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, we are God's children now. But what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. No more struggling to do what is right. No more half-heartedness. No more sort of double-mindedness, foot in both camps, living a bit for God and kind of wanting to live a bit for this world. Do you know that struggle within yourself? No more of that. You'll be entirely like Jesus, completely free, completely loving, I'm looking forward to that. And not only that, Lord, not only that you will be like Jesus, but you'll be alive in a new creation. It's a great hope. But on the flip side, if you haven't started to be set right yet, what's going to happen after you die? The same but completely. Friends, when Jesus returns, he's going to make all things new. This old creation, this old way of being in this world will be completely destroyed, and there will be a new reality, a new creation. If you are not part of that yet, through faith in Jesus, you will be destroyed. Friends, when, when our world goes through that experience of death and resurrection, you'll be stuck at the first bit. What Jesus experienced at the cross is pretty well the definition of hell. Destruction, punishment, and exclusion from God. And if you're not with Jesus, if you're not on the ark, And that's where it stops for you. But it doesn't need to. It doesn't need to. Jesus has come into this world to take the cross for you. He has come into this world to die for you, to be destroyed, punished, excluded from God for you in your place. You don't have to die like that. Get on the ark. Join Jesus, trust in him. Allow him to bring you through death into his glorious future. Turn to Jesus. There is no other way, friends, through death. I would love to talk to you after church if you want to explore that. We're running a course at the moment called Christianity Explored where you get to meet Jesus. We would love for you to get involved in that. There is no need for you to die with the rest of the world. There's one last thing I want to say as well, the third thing. The new creation will be all about God. The new creation is not just about a what, what it's going to be like, it's about a who. Who's going to be there? Who is it all about? So we looked at at Revelation 21 a moment ago. Uh, Verse 3 says this. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity. He will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. Who's it going to be all about? Bob? Look, the dwelling of Bob has arrived. Who cares? It's going to be about God. The scriptures are all about that. They say that over and over again. Would you look at me just back at two chapters, Revelation 19, which was read to us. Verse 4. Then the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. A voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all his slaves who fear him, both small and great." Then I heard something like the voice of a vast multitude, like the sound of cascading waters and like the rumbling of loud thunder saying, Hallelujah, because our Lord God, the Almighty, has begun to reign. God's going to be the center, friends. He's on the throne. We will be worshiping him. That's what it's about. Do you remember um, the scene in Isaiah chapter 6? God appears to Isaiah in the temple um, and and the temple is filled with his glory. And, And Isaiah sees these four living creatures, these crazy looking creatures who are around the throne of God and they're calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. What I love about that scene is the fact that the four living creatures are calling out to each other. You think that's a bit strange. Shouldn't they be calling out to God? God doesn't need to know this. God knows he's quite glorious and holy. They're calling to each other. Friends, I think that's what our experience of heaven is going to be like. We'll be called to each other. Have you seen this guy? Have you seen God? Glorious holiness. That will be our joy to praise our God together. Does that excite you at all? Do do you have a taste for God's glory now? Do you love to see Jesus lifted high? Does it give you joy? Well, what's going to happen after you die? The same, but different. The same, sorry, but complete. Complete. So again, St. Paul writes, For now we see indistinctly as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Jonathan Edwards, a great theologian, writes this. In heaven, as we increase in the knowledge of God and of the works of God, the more we will see his excellency. And the more we see his excellency, the more we will love him. And the more we love him, the more delight and happiness we will have in him. Heaven will be like an endless wave of self-forgetful praise and adoration of God as it grows in power and strength and love and joy forever into eternity. Bring it on, I say. But then there's the flip side. If that doesn't excite you now, the idea of worshipping God, bringing glory to him, you've got no desire for that now. What will happen after you die? The same, but completely. You won't suddenly want to worship God, which is a problem because heaven is all about God. Everyone is focused in on God. But you won't be. You'll be... Looking at something over here. Friends, you simply won't belong. And as I said, there's no need for that to be the case. Come and see why it is our joy to worship Jesus. The reason is because God hasn't left this world without hope. Yes, it's still hanging under the shadow of death. Yes, its icy grasp of death is never far from any one of us. But God has not left us without hope. He has loved us, loved our world. He has sent his son Jesus into the world to die like one of us, but then to rise forth in victory over death. And friends, he invites each one of us, you here this evening, to jump aboard, to get involved to trust him, to live with him now and to live with him forevermore. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing to this great God. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you, Lord God, because according to your great mercy, You have given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, unfading, kept in heaven for us. Lord God, we praise and thank you for that hope. We have no other hope, God. We have no way of dealing with death. It is too strong for us, Lord thank you for your son who brought an answer, brought a solution, brought victory over death. We praise you, God. Make us ever more thankful. We look forward to standing before you and praising you for all you have done for us and for who you are. Father, I pray for those amongst us this evening who, for whom that's not yet a reality. Oh, Father, please reveal yourself to them. Help them to see Jesus and find hope in him. In whose name we pray. Amen.